Hello, I'm Alex Mansfield, the host of Manny Talk Shooting, and welcome to another episode. This is the shooting podcast where I talk to individuals all across the shooting industry. We'll talk competition, self-defense, concealed carry. If you like this content, check out our YouTube channel, Manny Talk Shooting. And without further ado, let's get to this episode. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the next installment of Manny Talk Shooting, the shooting podcast on the internet, for the internet, because of the internet, and my glutton for punishment who likes to talk to people. But anyway... Let's get to the title sponsor of the podcast. You know them. You love them. They were the title sponsor of the Maryland um, USPSA state match. Uh, Go fast, don't suck. Bill's a great supporter of the sports. Uh, If it's through his merchandise, his memes, his uh, match support with his tablets and stuff. So Bill puts out a lot of great products and assistance to the sports. So go check them out. GoFastDon'tSuck.net. Tell them Manny sent you. Move on with your day, though, because we need to get to the meat and potatoes of this podcast. So today I'm sitting down with Mr. Cameron Templin. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Um, like I told you on the pre-show, I saw one thing on the Internet, and I was like... I got to get a hold of him. So we'll get, we'll talk about that later in the show, obviously. So, uh, but first, the first question I always ask is who are you and how did you get into shooting? Yeah. Well, um, my name is Cameron and I got into shooting. Let's see. It was about later end of 2018. Um, this was when I was living in Southern California. So I'm a transplant in Texas. Um, and I just, wanted to, I started shooting just, you know, at a local range and wanted to get better and kind of understood that, you know, a great way to get better was to actually start competing. So joined my local, uh, club or went to my local club for a USPSA match, you know, um, like many people instantly fell in love with it. I was shooting production cause it's one of the only divisions you can shoot down there. And, um, yeah, started in, tail end of 2018 i was sidelined um about six months into shooting uh due to a injury um i wasn't sure if i was going to actually be able to continue shooting but that all worked out and uh kept shooting ever since then well there you go that's i mean that's nice at least you got in before like all the the panic buying of ammo and primers because i do know a lot of people who got in right at the hit of covid and they're like yeah i can't do well it's just a pain in the butt. So you said you started at the end of 2019 in Southern California. 2018. Yep, 2018. My brain's a fart. Um, what what gun did you decide to shoot in production? Um, I had a. I just had a Glock 17. It was a Gen 3. Um, I think it was like a you know police trade in that I had bought, and that was the only handgun that I had. Um, you know, showed up to the match. I had the just a kind of a, I knew it was a Safari land holster with the, you know, strap on the leg or whatever. So I had to borrow some equipment, you know, some extra magazine pouches and whatnot. Um, but luckily I started with a great group of people. Um, actually the, the Vidanes, uh, Jojo Vidanes and Claudia Vidanes down in Southern California. So it was a blessing to start with such a group, a good group of people and, and learn from them. That is awesome. Now, how long during when you started shooting, how long were you still in Southern California before you moved? Let's see. It was about, um, I moved to Texas about three years ago. So it was right around probably like a year, year and a half. Um, I was shooting in Southern California and then, you know, 
we decided not for shooting purposes, but we just decided that we no longer wanted to live in Southern California. So um, my wife and I, well, girlfriend at the time, uh, decided to move to Texas. Mm -hmm. Well, everything's bigger in Texas, that's for sure. So yep. now when you were in Southern California, how many clubs or ranges were you able to go to within a reasonable amount of time? Um, there was actually quite, so there's interesting thing about Southern California. There's actually a pretty big shooting community down there. Um, when I was living there, uh, there was two clubs that hosted USPSA and IDPA, and then another club that also hosted, uh, three gun. So, um, I went to Norco running gun club, which was in, um, Prado, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, over in like Norco area of Southern California. So I could pretty much shoot a match every weekend of the month if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Now, did you want to? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, as soon as I started, I, you know, I, I was hooked. Um, obviously wasn't very good, but, uh, shot mostly production pretty much my whole time in Southern California and also shot in some three gun as well. Very cool. So you, you've, I guess I don't want to speed this up too fast, but so were you shooting with any high, super high level shooters in Southern California or what did it take until you got into Texas before that would ha really happen for you? Um, I would say like right off the bat, I started shooting with uh, Jojo Vidanes, who um, he is a uh, old school Ipsic world champion. Uh, he still competes. He's, um, you know, he's, he's getting a little bit older and it's battling some knee issues, but still a fantastic shooter and i remember um starting with them they brought us onto um their squad my wife was also kind of shooting at the time a little bit so we were both uh pretty much squatted with them every time that we went to a match that they were hosting so that was really great to see and kind of opened my eyes you know where someone could be in terms of skill level mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, that is, and that, I guess that's nice to see kind of like right off the rip is that somebody who's at that high GM, high M master level, instead of most people who are like the best they've got is like an A-class shooter at their local club. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then your confidence is already crushed from the beginning because it's like, oh, that's what a real GM is. Not like, oh, I'm so great. You know, yeah. and everyone gets like, I'm, I'm B-class. I puffed my chest out. I'm so great. Right. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. This watching him for the first time i was like what did i just see you know kind of just shocked that someone could you know see so quickly and shoot so fast right yeah that is that, yeah I, I can't i remember the first match i ever went to and i was shooting with the gm and i was like oh those he's he is good <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah so so i guess we'll speed the timeline up a little bit um well, i guess not did you shoot any majors and while you were still living in california or did you not really get into majors no. until texas no i i you know i didn't really start shooting majors well into you know uh say my shooting career probably in the last couple years i've, I've started to you know take things a little more seriously i would say and start actually going to uh major matches and i mean for the most part it was just local stuff, local matches, um, nothing, nothing too crazy. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So I guess now I'll speed up. So you move, you leave Southern California, you go to Texas, Texas is a big state. How'd you pick where you were going to live? 
Yeah, so we we landed in Wake. We had visited. We visited uh, Austin, Texas, my wife and I. Um, we kind of drove around, uh, visited Waco area. Um, what ended up happening is she ended up getting a job at Baylor University, which is the uh, private university here in, in Waco. Um, so, and then I ended up getting a job with the city. So we ended up moving here to Waco. Uh, at the time, it wasn't, it was starting to really blow up because uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines have their whole Magnolia, you know, mm -hmm. deal going on. So quite a lot of people, a large influx of people, uh, us included. Mm -hmm. Now, I guess the question is, how many times have you been to the Magnolia facility? <laughs> uh, more than more than I, you know, more than I'd like to say. Um, it's mostly, you know, anytime we have family come into town, you know, that's you know, where we where we take them because uh, mm -hmm. it's, you know everybody has seen the show I, I haven't seen the show but you know yeah I've, I've been there more times than i like it's it, however they do have they now have a uh like a mini baseball field so you can play wiffle ball with you know just everybody who's there and it ends up being a bunch of dads and their kids and you know we all just kind of smack the wiffle ball around wow. <laughs> that's pretty cool to be honest with you but, yeah, uh, my wife puts me there like I'm, you know, like I'm a, a kid or something. She just, you know, says, okay, you go play baseball. I'm going to go shop or whatever. Right. So uh, that, that's funny, pretty funny. Um, which when you said Waco, Texas, like, okay, that makes sense. Chip and Joanna Gaines. I mean, yeah. not to say that I haven't missed them being on the TV show, on the TV lately. I mean, I, I kind of got yeah. tired of Shiplap. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Gosh, it's, yeah. And they, they have like a section in all the targets and all the stores that we go to. There's like a Magnolia section in Waco. Yeah. Let's just take it over. They, they've, uh, they, instead of Waco, they can just call it Gainesville. I, there you go. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty much what it is. They put us on the map. Yeah. Well, I mean, a better light on the map because like in the 90s, yeah, Waco, yeah, Texas was, a little on a bad, was in the bad map. But besides yeah. that, um, I just got to razz you a little bit because Waco, Texas, but it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But now, so you're in Texas now um, and you visited, how'd you decide which ranges you wanted to go to and shoot at? I, I, so I just started looking on practice score and the nice thing about being here in central Texas is it's about an hour and a half hour drive up or down to Austin hour drive to Dallas. So, I could shoot the matches that are closer to Dallas and I could shoot the matches um, that are over in Austin area, which has been a nice thing. Cause again, I could pretty much shoot a match every single weekend. And you know, that's what I had been doing once I started moving here and it, it's been great. I've been able to meet a lot of people. There's a lot of high level shooters um, who, who live in Texas. So it's, it's been a good place to be for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many great shooters down there. Um, like, especially if you go up to DFW area, you know, you got Ken, you've got David Blanton, uh, Matt Chu is always good too. Um, so yeah, you got those heat and then you got the Austin heat, which yeah. is a nice best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been able to, you know, uh, make a lot of friends in you know, in both sides of, of Texas and it's, mm -hmm. it's been really great. So on average, you, you know, you said it was about an hour to Austin, hour to to Dallas. On average, what's your normal one-way trip in the car to a match? One-way trip's about an hour. So it's the the 
clubs I shoot at, there's one in Florence, Texas. Um, the one that's at Austin Rifle and Pistol Club's more like an hour and a half. I'll usually go there every once in a while just because Emmett and Alex Costa are, are good buddies of mine and um, Alex hosts the match there. Kind of a drive. I usually cap my limit to like an hour. You know, I don't want to drive more than an hour for a local uh, local match. Um, and then same with the DFW area. There, uh, there is a match that's held in Waxahachie. That's not quite. That's like south of Dallas, so that's about an hour. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the club over at Mission One Hundred and Sixty has a match, um, but that's more like an hour. Uh, I'd say almost two hours for me. So I'll do that occasionally just to see um, Ben and Fabio and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And it's still not bad when you go to area four and it's only two hours away from your house. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it was pretty nice this time. Yeah. I'm assuming you still got a hotel though. Yeah. I still got an Airbnb. I just, you know, I didn't want to do the drive back as if I can avoid the drivers in Dallas, uh, I'll, I'll shoot for that. Cause yeah. You know, they're kind of, they're interesting bunch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would never want to drive in Dallas. I've been there once and I was chauffeured around and I'm like, I'm glad I'm not driving. Yeah. 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 So you're, we're in Southern California. No, we're in Texas now. We're, we're shooting around. You're shooting around. Um, when you got to Texas, what classification were you? Gosh, what was I? Um, when I got to Texas, I was probably like a C class in mm-hmm. production, you know? Um, and then I started shooting uh, carry optics. What was it? I'm looking at one of the plaques in 2020. I guess I started shooting at the Texas State Open Championship in 2020. So I started shooting and I was, you know, I think I was still probably a B class in production or an A class or something. And mm-hmm. then started shooting carry optics and kind of, stuck with that right did you did you move um to carry optics as like a natural progression or that you saw that there was no one shooting production at the time and just said screw it i'm putting a red dot on my gun (laughs) it it was kind of just a natural progression um i you know it did it was getting to that point where there wasn't a lot of production shooters and that was you know that's never fun you don't want to just you know win your uh win the day because no one else is shooting the the division so um yeah, I switched to carry optics uh, pretty much because, you know, everyone else was and no one else was shooting production. I still shoot production here and there. I, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy shooting production. I enjoy shooting irons. It's not like I'm, you know, married to the dot forever. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and you, you came up shooting, uh, shooting the iron. So it wasn't as uh, difficult probably to go to the dot or bounce off of them. Like some of us who pretty much started in the sport shooting a red dot and it's like, what are those bumpy things? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So at, how long did it take you, you know, to get from B class, A class to Grandmaster? Uh, it took, let's see. So I made GM uh, about a year ago. Maybe it was like a year and four months now. Um, and really, you know, I'd say it took about a year and a half. In a total, it was like three years of shooting to get to GM. Um, but... Um, yeah, I, I made. I remember I made master, and I was, you know, pretty stoked on that, and was like, okay, I'm gonna chill here. You know, I'm I'm happy where I'm at. 
this seems like this is, you know, um, at my level or a little bit higher. And I just kind of put it out of my, out of my head. And then about two months later, when I was shooting, um, classifiers and whatnot, I wasn't really paying attention to them. I noticed when I had one more classifier left to make GM that I was at a pretty high percentage and I hadn't been just paying attention to it. So, um, the GM thing was kind of almost accidentally, which, uh, it's funny how it works that way. When you put it out of your mind and just shoot, you tend to do better than overthinking it. Right. Yeah. You, you stop caring about your classification and then it becomes, uh, Oh, look at I'm 97% and all of these. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Boom. Yeah. Now let's see now. Did, did it ever feel like, I know everyone talks about, you know, paper GMs and whatnot, right? Did it ever feel like when you made GM that you were like, I didn't, you didn't belong there when you made GM? hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Hun you know, it's, uh, you know, and at, at times I can feel that way. You know, I, I, I have pretty high standards for myself. Um, it wasn't something that I was like, you know, really trying to get, um, you know, you, you hear of certain guys kind of chasing classifiers or, you know, trying to get that classification, um, because it happened so naturally and kind of, you know, randomly. And I wasn't M for that long at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, felt like no i don't i don't belong with these guys like i wasn't i didn't even shoot any majors as as the m class so um but what it also did is it kind of put the pressure on and it you know kind of lit that fire and said okay now you have to get better otherwise you're gonna embarrass yourself so mm -hmm. right so you were able to put the throttle down and then you know build your match skill up as a gm and then feel like you were competing at that, you know, competing at that level. If I could put words in your mouth, I'm assuming. Sure. But, um, now have we, have you won any majors yet overall as a GM or are we still, no, fighting, I haven't, are we still... I'm still kind of in that, you know, top five. I know like at area four, I was, uh, fourth place in limited optics. Uh, and, um, yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't, gotten to the place where i feel like um you know i i can go to a a big major and say oh yeah i got this you know mm -hmm. it's still a it's still a work in progress and it's still um there's still work to be done let's just put it that way at least that's what i feel right well well we're all perfectionist right i mean it's it's yeah. kind of hard to uh, be always content with our performance it feels yeah. like um <clears throat> but it definitely uh it's a motivator too, though, to, to be at the top of your game or to improve yourself every time. Yeah. Now, um, you shot limited optics. Why, what was, why did you decide to shoot limited optics instead of carry optics for this match? Um, so limited op, so, you know, I've already GM and carry optics, but also, um, you know, I just wanted to see how far I could get, uh, shooting, you know, a Beretta or shooting my carry optics gun, which I, I shot my stock carry optics gun and, and limited optics. Um, but also, um, I'm going to be shooting limited optics more with the new Beretta 92XI anyways. So I decided, oh, well, this would be a good place to start shooting limited optics. So I decided um, just take your stock carry optic setup. Uh, I even shot it in double action um, 
in the first round and just, you know, thought it was a, a good place to start and see where I would land. Hmm. Yeah, that uh, 92 XI looks pretty fancy there. Now, I'm not a, I'm not super big into Berettas, so forgive me. What's the difference between the XI and the X what, X Performance? Or the 92X Performance? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the 92X Performance, that's a full, you know, steel-framed gun. Um, those are, you know, built in Italy. The 92XI is aluminum-framed. Uh, it's coming from Tennessee, and... Um, it's similar to the 92X performance spray mounted safety, but the difference is, is it's single action only. It has like a, actually I have one. Am I allowed to show the gun on the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Cause this is going to be a record. It's not like a live thing at the moment. So yeah, you're good. Okay. So has a single action only that's coming up here. Um, mm -hmm. Trigger. It's a flat place trigger. So that's the, that's the difference between that model and the 92X performance. You know, the 92X performance is double action, single action only. Uh, the XI is their single action uh, only version. They kind of dub it the 9211. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. fair enough, right? Makes kind of yeah. sense. Which, which I guess makes sense. But I why 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 aluminum instead of steel? Maybe I'm not sure. Uh, it you know it, it I think it's kind of better for an all purpose gun. You can carry it. It's coming in at like 33, 34 ounces. So, um, you know, you can, you can definitely carry it. I mean, I carry a full size Beretta 92. Um, so I think they, they wanted it to be more versatile and not just a competition pistol. Um, something that can kind of, you know, do multiple things. Right. Which definitely makes sense for us, for a brand and for a company to be like, we don't want it just to fit this one niche. We want anyone to buy this gun yeah. in multiple purposes. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense. So right. um, I guess if anybody didn't know, um, you started uh, this year, a couple months ago, maybe a month ago now, started your formal relationship with Beretta. Mm -hmm. How was that? Um, you know, how, how did it feel being recognized by a company and saying, hey, we want to partner with you? It's been incredible. I mean, gosh, I never thought in you know a million years when i started shooting that i'd uh you know be sponsored by a company like beretta um i remember when i had first started i remember there was a high level shooter that i think he was sponsored by terran tactical or one of those companies and i had asked someone hey like what does it take to um become someone like that who's you know sponsored by a big company or a gun company and you know his response is like don't even you know it's few and far between basically is what he mm -hmm. told me so you know to be recognized by the company and and shoot for the company that i was already shooting i was already shooting their products already you know i already loved their products um was a really cool thing it was it was really neat and it's been a blessing yeah i could i that's an understatement. It definitely is nice when you, you know, you're, you're already in love with their products. You already liked the brand. Uh, it already yeah. fit you. It's not like you had to conform to it at all. It, right. it was already in your niche. Um, and it's nice to see that they recognized you. Now, was it a little bit of networking to get you there or did they fully contact you out of the blue? I think it was a combination of both. Um, you know, I didn't have any professional relationship with the company um however you know 
uh, I was already friends with the some of the other my teammates now, um, mm -hmm. Ben Hart, JJ Ricaza. So um, I remember I shot with them at IDPA Nationals this last year and uh, got to shoot. I wasn't on their squad, but I was pretty much following them around because you shoot. Uh, there's two squads on each bay and I was on the other squad, but basically was around them the, the entire time. So got to meet them, um, got to meet some of the people involved with the company, uh, the marketing director and uh, the other teammates. And, you know, I, I knew then like kind of seeing the dynamic and seeing how great everyone was, uh, the people within the company and the teammates, I was kind of told myself like, Oh, this is somewhere I'd want to be. So um you know i i i did reach out to them um and then it was just kind of this organic process of us you know going back and forth and them saying like yeah we were you know uh interested in you and you know um it just kind of went from there and it was it was a it was a great experience basically well that's cool and i'm really i'm really proud for you and glad that you you know you're able to make this connection and you know you may take a, get into a formal relationship with Beretta. Um, I guess we totally forgot and skipped. You said you're already shooting a Beretta at the time before this, but um, um, what is your, you know, you know, your regular carry optics or main go-to blaster at this point? Uh, so I was sh pretty much shooting the 92X Performance. And in fact, um, when the 92X Performance came out, the original one, it was just a, um, it was just an iron sided pistol there was no optic version for the gun um okay. langdon tactical had his beretta 92 version um which is uh aluminum framed and um not as heavy as the 92x performance and didn't have a frame mounted safety at the decocker so you couldn't put his slide on a 92x performance at the time just because neither of the safety functions would work uh and that's not that I don't know if it's still illegal, but it wasn't legal at USPSA. Um, mm -hmm. So I did buy one and then the 92X performance defensive came out mm -hmm. and that was a like IDPA version of the gun. So essentially I had to buy two guns to uh, make a carry optics pistol. I took the slide from the defensive, put it on my 92X performance and have pretty much run that ever since then. Um, and then they, you know, came, eventually came out with a, a carry optics version of the gun. Gotcha. Yeah. It was like pieces, pieces and parts slapping things together yeah. to figure it out. Cause yeah. I do remember that time when it's like, like, where are these guns at? So, but yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, and now you said you originally started with the Glock. How interesting was it to transition from a, you know, a closed barrel situation to an open barrel situation? I mean, so uh, uh, Beretta 92 is actually the first handgun I had ever shot. Mm -hmm. um, pretty much the, the story with the, you know, me shooting a Beretta for the first time is I went to a, a firing range. It was an indoor one. And this is, you know, I grew up shooting shotguns and rifles, hunting and whatnot. Um, knew nothing about pistols. Went to an indoor firing range. He kind of showed me the case like, okay, which one do you want to rent? And I didn't know anything about handguns, but I recognized the Beretta 92 because I'd seen it in Die Hard and Lethal Weapon and whatnot. I was like, I want to shoot that. So pretty much from there, that was the first pistol I shot. And um, 
I've enjoyed them ever since. So, you know, started with a Glock because that's just what I had. Mm -hmm. um, but but once, you know, Beretta started coming out with a 92X performance, and they started coming out with guns that you could uh, compete, you know, in USPSA. I was like, oh, yeah, like, sign me up. I'm taking that. You know, I want to shoot that. There you go. Well, that makes sense. But, um, it's interesting. So, so you, not much long, you didn't spend much time without the, you know, you had all your barrels exposed, essentially. So, yeah. So, now I shot a CZ for a little bit after the Glock. Um, mm -hmm. kind of jumped around guns, trying to find something that I really liked. And, you know, nothing, I was never, you know, didn't really love anything that I had, I had shot until I got the Beretta. Right. Yeah. Now I have a question, I guess when you go to rack your gun, like, you know, you're going to, you know, you're charging the gun or whatnot, or like an unloaded start. How are you racking it? Are you, you covering the dot? You going over the bottom? I, 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 you know, I didn't even realize I was doing it, but I go under the bottom. Um, I go under the bottom. I think, you know, Kate, I have tried going over the top and just racking it on the on the dot, but it has taken chunks of my fingers out because, you know, I let it kind of, I don't move my hand in time and then it comes back and just kind of, you know, uh, taking little bits of my fingers off. So now it's just really easy and natural for me to just go under and, you know, my hand's already there and I can just go straight back to my grip. Gotcha. See, it, it's one thing, you know, I, I don't shoot a Beretta, but it's one of those things you notice. It's like, there's no meat to grab. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you got to be careful. That barrel gets, uh, gets pretty hot. And I, I burnt, I had a rubber, uh, wedding band and I was kind of fiddling around at the range and didn't realize I was grabbing onto the barrel and it kind of, it burnt the whole thing. So, yeah. Well, luckily enough, there are rubber, so it's kind of easy to, easy to yeah. replace. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I pretty much live in one of those too. Because I'd rather keep my nice ring for nice occasions than not at the yeah. range when you're yeah. when you can lose it. But right. So um, up to this point, you know, well, I guess not. To, I'll rephrase this question. Um, what does your training schedule look like nowadays? So now I've really um, dialed up the live fire training. Um, you know, especially once uh you know everything happened with beretta i was like oh you know this is another thing where it's like okay now you really have to start pushing yourself like uh -huh. uh, it's great you're on the team but you know more is expected of you or at least i'm i expect more from myself so um now i've been trying to do live fire practice at least two or three times a week um and then you know dry fire every day uh which you know i'm trying to be more disciplined at and then also just i'm pretty strict with like fitness uh training as well and kind of have tailored it more towards uh practical you know stuff that'll help with practical shooting mm -hmm. well that's that's a, honestly a smart i mean if you think about it you're, you're working out probably to live a better life and it's just it's beneficial for shooting because yeah you know we we want to be able to move when we're 80 years old. We don't want to be couch potatoes and no one ever wants to be stuck in a bed at a nursing home, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you you know, do you, you're feeling this internal pressure to be more, do more, right? Um, 
does it put like extra stress on your match performance or or just in your training um sometimes i try you know i've the you know the mental aspect is is the other side of it right so i've been really trying to work on that as well um i've i've gotten heavily into the steve anderson you know podcasts and listening to those mm -hmm. um but you know i try to not let it affect me when i'm at the match you know it's it's mindset's a big thing and you know it's it's kind of i've gotten good at just putting it out of my head and like that area four even when i had bad stages i i forced myself to smile and forced myself to just you know flush it and and move on because mm -hmm. you're not it's not gonna it's a it's not going to help you having that, um, at least I don't think, having that pressure of, oh, I need to do well. Otherwise, you know, it's not going to look good or something. You know, it's, mm -hmm. that's that's not what's important. What's important is is you show up and, and compete at the at the best level you can. Right. And, you know, that that mindset and that attitude that you go into the day with or after each stage really can affect the compounds like. If you're yeah. just down on yourself the whole match, your last your last stages are gonna be probably terrible to most people's standards because you know you've already beat yourself up yeah. and you're you're okay with failure because it's already have happened and you're just out of it. Yeah, yeah, and that was one thing I noticed with the high level guys was you know they don't they don't have the negative talk they don't they don't uh, you know talk about. You know, they may talk about it after the match, but they're not going to dwell on it. They're just going to, they're going to do better the next stage. They're going to, you know, mm -hmm. do as best as they can and not dwell on it. Right. And I know for my, I'll interject myself and my mental focus through the matches. Um, I've, you know, I listen to Steve as well. And I've like, um, I, I've always come to this mental agreement now is when I, I shoot my best when I'm just having fun. So if I'm yeah. not having fun, usually the matches, you know, I've already put myself mentally there, but like the weekend before area four, it was area five and I shot the best match of my life, you know, you know, nice placement, oh, very happy for myself. And I'm like, you know, that was the best match of my life. So I even talked to Jay Beal today as we're recording this about, you know, Hey, I need to write this journal. I need to write this journal entry because this is important. I slack on the journal. Sorry, Steve. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's difficult to get into, but, <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to record this, but it's like, you know, all I just thought is I just had fun. I didn't care. My shooting did its own talking for me. I just had to have fun. Yeah. And I guess that's yeah. probably real big, but, um, you shot area four. I'm assuming you were squad with Ben. Yeah. I, uh, I had to kind of jump around squad. So, you know, I apologize to, uh, anyone I, you know, abandoned or, you know, jump <laughs> ship. Uh, but yeah, I, I ended up, I shot, I had such a great squad, actually. I had, you know, Ben, who's a fantastic guy, fantastic shooter, um, and a good friend of mine. He always has been. He's actually helped me, you know, with Beretta stuff way before I had, you know, any thoughts of joining the team. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, and then good friend Emmett Reed, Alex Acosta, uh, we had all the MPA shooters uh on our on our squad which i've never met them before but good group of good group of people mm -hmm. and everyone was just really great and i think i think that makes a difference you know you're talking about having fun mm -hmm. and you know i think we need to not lose sight of that sometimes like at the end of the day we're really uh we're really blessed to 
be able to do what we do and, you know, go out there and shoot, like life could be a whole lot worse, you know? And sometimes when I'm getting frustrated at practice or I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I have to step back and tell myself, look what you get to do. Like you get to, you know, you get to compete and play a game that you love. Like, mm -hmm. So, but having a good group of, having a good squad really makes a difference when everyone's having fun, everyone's encouraging, you know, there's no drama. Um, you feel better and you, you usually perform better is what I have seen. Right. And I mean, usually you'll have people who have a bad stage and they'll be upset for a minute and then they're like, well, time to reset, refocus. We got to go paste, reset and move on to the next one. Yeah. yeah. Now um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about area four. Um, it was what 14 stages uh yes well 12 i believe okay 12 stages shot in two days um at mission 160 um from some of the videos i've seen there was a couple double bays yes um okay how the mat how would the match uh well we already said you already said you finished fourth in limited optics but how did you feel the match flowed uh, i thought it was done really well actually every match that i've shot at mission 160 has um been organized really well as as just flowed really well the stages have been great um you know everything was was perfect you know um we thought we were going to get some rain there for a second but we dodged that uh yeah good group of ro's good group of staff um i, I really didn't have any complaints but you know for the most part i'm i'm not super picky about uh major matches you know mm -hmm. i'm not I don't feel like I'm at the point where I can be like, oh yeah, like these stages were awesome and these stages were terrible. Like shooting is shooting to me, and if it's challenging or has some element of, um, you know, challenge, then I'm I'm happy to shoot it. Right, and that's always that's good too. To, a nice positive mindset to have, you know, not be picky because you know there are a lot of yeah. divas in our sport who are like, oh, the water wasn't to the right temperature, it wasn't close yeah. enough, it didn't have a porta potty on every bay. Uh, you know, we always got those kind of people. Sorry if I'm making fun sure. of you, uh, listeners out there for who act that way. So, uh, uh, you get what you get and quit whining. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, well, that's good. Um, did you have any stage that was your favorite in particular? I, ironically, I liked the stages that I didn't, uh, do my best in, uh, I think it was stage, stage two and I think three. Uh, there was a stage that had, um, I also liked the door stage. A lot of people didn't, didn't like that stage, but stage three had a bunch of poppers in the center and you had to go uh, either left or right. And then, you know, go in the opposite direction. Uh, I really liked that stage. Um, I did enjoy the stage with the door. I know some people, a lot of people had gotten DQ'd, uh, from, you know, how they opened the door, but. Um, I thought that one was a little challenging. And then also there's, there was, a, uh, I forgot which stage it was, but another one with a little bridge you had to walk on. And I always liked the, the stages that, you know, you have to do some quirky thing or jump over something or walk on something. Mm -hmm. Those are always fun to me. Right. Well, it adds a little bit of athleticism into it too. Um, yeah. you know, you know, balance and core and it adds a little bit of, uh, it lets the cream rise to the crop up, you know, yeah, the cream rise to the top, I'll say, because, yeah. you know, the guys who are in well condition and able to shoot that well, 
excel at yeah. it compared to somebody who's uh, not taking care of themselves. But, um, oh yeah, you're saying the door, people were decoding the door. I noticed in a couple of videos, the door knob was painted red because that's probably an IDPA prop. And they've got that rule of the muzzle can't point at the red zone. Yeah. And that but, was um, the rule. That was that was the well. At least when I shot the stage, they made it clear to us: uh, don't point the gun in the red zone, uh, otherwise you're going to get DQ'd. So when I opened the door, I was like up here. So. Mm -hmm. Right, and it's probably a safe bet because if you're pointing it at the red zone, your hand's probably there and you're muzzling yourself. So it's just easier to be like, don't point it at the red thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you what you were there probably what the weekend prior shooting the IDPA match. Yeah, I shot Texas State IDPA, which I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out IDPA. You know, it's, uh, I, I know people who shoot USPSA say certain things about IDPA, and people who shoot IDPA say certain things about USPSA. But you know, I if it shooting shooting to me, like I, I enjoy it. You know, I like shooting IDPA. I like shooting Steel Challenge. I like shooting USPSA. Um, but I haven't quite figured out how to uh excel at it I, you know i i get beat up by penalties here and there um you know certain procedural uh penalties still get me mm -hmm. now i guess this is a good question for you so do you still wear the fishing vest or do you like like actually conceal your your gun uh i i still wore the fishing vest um to you know a ben and fabio's uh dismay but i am going to switch to uh, appendix as soon as I can get a holster for my 92x um, performance defensive or my uh, 92xi which my normal um, inside the waistband holster works with the 92xi so I'll I'll be switching to that but Brett had just sent me that gotcha I hadn't gotten well now I mean do, do you have a do you have a fancy Beretta fishing vest I, I do yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I had a Beretta vest prior. It wasn't super uh, fancy, but once I got signed on, um, you know, with all the goodies that they were sending me, they also sent me this um, vest. But I mean, I would wear it just normally when it's cold out, but it's pretty cool looking. I mean, I'd, I'd wear it. Right. Fair enough. I mean, but shit, like you would, people wouldn't understand Beretta's like clothing brand, like line. It's like yeah. massive. Like I, I went on their website yeah. and I was just like, are you a gun manufacturer or are you a clothing <laughs> clothing brand? Yeah. And they still have brick and mortar store stores too. Like um there's a there's Beretta Galleries. There's one here in Dallas where you can go in and buy clothes and buy guns and buy, you know, I think they even sell like, you know, furniture and accessories, you know, random stuff like that, pens and, you know, whatever, wallets and stuff. So um yeah, they have a huge clothing line. I liked their clothes before I even started shooting for them. You know, like they always fit me well and uh, they weren't super expensive. You you know, when they have sales and stuff on there, you can get a pretty good deal. Right. So have you had to be a clothing model yet? No, no, no. I, that, is, that, is that JJ's job then? That's, I think that's, that, I'll leave that to JJ. JJ yeah. can, can, can do that. <laughs> that's fair enough. Now, um, if you had, if you only had to have one piece of Beretta, cl Beretta clothing, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it'd probably be their dry fit shirts. They have these like dry fit, um, 
they're kind of like a like elastic cotton material that mm-hmm. you can work out in you can shoot in uh you know i've i've and they were like relatively inexpensive when i bought them mm-hmm. this was before brett you know before i had signed on with them and so i had a bunch of their shirts and i wear them working out they're great mm-hmm. Well, there you go and they're multi-purpose right you go work out you go to the range yeah. whatever it's like it's that yeah. lifestyle but it, that's kind of cool you know i think i remember what it was probably around what production nationals or or beretta was the title sponsor and i remember watching videos of jj going you know shooting shotguns or whatever but it was all this fancy beretta gear is it's always a hoot because he gets so it seems like he's so excited about it too it's like ooh, look at new clothes oh yeah i mean he i yeah, who? I mean, who isn't though? Um, yeah, and being able to shoot different guns, especially you know people—I wouldn't say people forget, but you know, definitely people who shoot action pistol stuff—they you know tend to forget that Brett is a huge you know shotgun manufacturer, and they have you know they've won Olympics and all kinds of titles with their shotguns. So yeah, I I'd love they... to shoot one of their shotguns. That'd be pretty fun. If I'm not mistaken, there's like this like Beretta Gallery. It's got like the most expensive like shotguns in it. I, I want to say it's in New York, but I might be wrong. Yeah. But but it's pretty darn fancy from what I from the videos I remember watching of it. It's pretty fancy there. Yeah, even the one here in Highland Park, Texas, uh, I've been there. Actually, that's where I bought one of my ninety two X performances from. Um, you know, even walking around that area because it kind of looks like like Beverly Hills in California or something. It's a really nice like bougie area right but you go into the beretta gallery and they've you know got all kinds of amazing shotguns and you know custom you know stuff you don't even want to look at the price tag for yeah that's true just think about it people spend more on shotguns than they do on some open guns yeah it's and and we all think that open guns like infinity open guns are expensive but when you talk about shotgun beretta money yeah it's it's up there but um so I guess I forgot to ask this earlier because when we were talking about Waco, but you came from Southern California to Texas. How long did it take you to go to a Bucky's? Oh, <laughs> Bucky's, yeah, um, yeah. I I went to Bucky's. It wasn't very long. I think it was probably. I think I moved here, and then maybe within a couple months, I I went to one. I know I went to the first time I went to one. It was like accidentally because it was there's one right by the Temple Gun Gun Club. Mm-hmm. And you have to pass it to go there. And I stopped there and I was like, what in the world is this? Like, is this like a supermarket, a gas station? Like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Like, I've never seen so many pumps. And, you know, it was, it was an experience. And now when people visit, I'm like, you know, totally that person that's like, oh, I got to take you to Bucky's. And they're like, I don't get it. Like, what is what's so special about it? I was like, you just have to go there and see, you know. Yeah, exactly. You got you just got to yeah. go to Bucky's, experience it, and get some beaver nuggets. Yeah, my my sister and my nephew visited uh, not too long ago, and I took them to Bucky's, and they were just like, "This is the most Texas thing I've ever seen." Mm-hmm. Like, yes, exactly. Right, and it, it it's just so cool because it's a beaver, but it's not a beaver. It's a it's a cartoon beaver. But could you, you know, imagine? I didn't know it was a beaver for the longest time, which is really embarrassing. Uh, it wasn't until like recently, I think it was Brian Beavy who mentioned, I thought it was a chipmunk mm-hmm. for the longest time. Um, so it just, it just shows like how oblivious I was. Um, yeah, I didn't even know it was a, it was a beaver. 
Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, it's okay. I guess I could understand why you'd think that though too, but I, I, I don't, I don't be, uh, you know, it's I, pretty, it's pretty obvious. It's a beaver. There's like, it's, you know, beaver nuggets and beaver. It's like, I mean, yes. If you think I, about yeah. everything in its totality, yes. But like, if you're just looking yeah. at the guy, you're like, that could be, yeah, I, I could get that. Yeah. I could get that. But, um, I didn't go to those places that much, you know, I wasn't, somewhere I, I don't i've never had their nuggets actually i know they're amazing but i think the only thing i've had there is like their beef sandwiches or something right now um now oh i guess this is a great question um you're on the team um beretta with jj um have you taken a jj class yet yeah i took a class before i that's how i met him i i i, I took two classes the first class i took was in odessa texas um, I remember middle I of nowhere, <laughs> middle of nowhere. Yeah. And that's where I met, uh, him and Marco and, you know, became friends with, uh, with them. Uh -huh. Um, yeah. And it was, it was a really cool experience and that's kind of how our friendship started, you know? Um, uh -huh. and then I took another class with him when he was at mission 160. Um, and then, you know, every time we, we'd, be at the same major or something we'd get lunch or something um his uh you know my wife uh really enjoys hanging out with him and his dad and and whatnot so it's it's been a fun friendship mm -hmm. well that's cool too so um have you taken other than jj classes have you taken any other instruction no no those that his class so far you know i'd like to take some other people's courses um but i took only i mean i took a pistol course you know when i first started but it wasn't it wasn't involving uspsa or action pistol or anything but mm -hmm. um yeah it was just just his mm -hmm. well fair enough now i did get a couple of listener questions i guess i want to cover these now before i forget because if i forget um someone will be very mad at both of us so uh i'm assuming i think i, I checked this it is your wife how did you find your amazing wife she asks oh gosh that's funny <laughs> um yeah so <laughs> i actually i met her in southern california we were she was going to school down there at the time i was working at a horse ranch um and i used to go to this country bar uh a little too often i go every 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 weekend um and she was there with some of her college friends and she actually uh came up to me and asked me to dance and that's that's how we met that's how we met okay so it was like a line dancing place right yeah okay in Ca in southern california of all places if you could you could believe it i mean well we had one for a couple of years up here where i live it was in the middle of like on the outskirts of town but it was like it was a giant rec center they turned into a country bar so it was like right it was, it was made for because they had the, the big floors like they could do it on unfortunately they closed maybe a couple of years ago, but it's, it's not too yeah. far and out of common. So that was cool. So she, she asked you to dance. And then when did you know she was the one? Oh gosh. Um, I, I knew, <laughs> I, I, I probably wouldn't admit it to her, but I knew, uh, you know, pretty soon after, you know, she was, uh, much different than a lot of the, you know, um, people in Southern California that meet, that you meet. She actually grew up in Northern California. I was going to school in Southern California. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that long after I'd say within probably six months. 
Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Now, I did get a question. Um, some Beretta 92X, yeah, uh, Beretta 92X performance re reliability tips and tricks. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I, I never, I'm probably not the best person to ask because I've never really had any crazy issues um, with mine, you know, um, they, uh, sometimes the tolerances can be a little tight, so just keep shooting them and they'll, you know, things will just kind of loosen up and uh, work out that way, um, you know, but for the most part, you know, for me, they've always been, I think I own like 792s now, well, nine now, um, and they've all been been great for me mm -hmm. and i've now, been I sh i've shot thousands and thousands of rounds through the 92x performance that i shoot carry optics okay so so you might you've not had any issues with the guns but do you have a certain formula you like to set up your gun with like recoil spring mainspring yeah so i try to keep it close to stock as much as possible uh i'm not a huge Try to say this nicely, but I'm not like a huge trigger snob when it comes to you know getting it super light. What's important to me is just a predictable reset and a really um, crisp break. Mm -hmm. So um, I I do lighten the hammer spring. I usually put like a 12 pound or an 11 pound hammer spring in there. And then uh, one thing I would say that's super important they sell it on the Beretta website is the um, competition hammer. And what that does is it takes up a good amount of the take up to the wall. And um, that's a huge one. And other than that, I usually put a nine pound recoil spring in there. Um, I'm shooting 124s. So if that you know helps anyone. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it. I don't, you know, I don't try to mess too much with, uh, you know, going in and polishing stuff. That stuff just kind of polishes itself from shooting it, you know, over and over and over. <laughs> Right now, ha with going to that eleven or twelve pound um, hammer spring, have you found that you're primer sensitive, or can it light everything? It's lit everything for me, and I've you know, I reload. So the primers that I use, uh, I use CCI small rifle, CCI small pistol magnum. Um, so those are the hardest ones that I use. I obviously shoot. I try to use federal primers for major matches, uh, just to take. You know, all you know, I just don't want any surprises whatsoever. Um, but it's it lit it ignites the small rifle stuff fine for me. Um, you know, I don't know if there's any companies out there that sell an extended firing pin, but um, you know, that's that could possibly be an option. But um, yeah, I mean, if you generally if you use a twelve pound, you're going to be good with everything. Uh, yeah. If you put in 11, you know, some people have said that they have issues with like CCI primers and whatnot. Um, I haven't seen that to be the case with mine. Uh, but yeah, I'd say stick to a 12. The difference between an 11 and 12, it's not huge. Just learn how to prep your double action and you'll be fine. Right. Well, and I know like I, I've got one buddy who for a while was shooting a tan folio. And he could only use federal primers because he had tuned his gun so much that it, all it would light was federals. And as one day he was offered plenty of reshoots on a stage and he was like, 
um, because of popper calibration. He's like, but I'm out of ammo. I can't shoot anymore. I'm like, well, here's our ammo. Yeah. And he's like, I can't touch any of it because it doesn't have federals. Yeah, so I'm like, it's like, what do you do then? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you're, you're SOL at that point. And, you know, I still occasionally will shoot, you know, I want to be able to shoot factory ammo. Like if mm-hmm. you, know, you buy some at the store or whatever, you know, you're with some buddies and, you know, that's all you have. I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make it to the point where I have to have this perfect recipe for my gun to work. Right. Yeah. And, it, and then if anything's flawed, you know, it, you, you don't, you'd rather have this big margin of error that you can play in instead of this like skinny, narrow window. So it makes sense. Yeah. The last thing you want to be thinking about is your equipment when you're, especially when you're shooting the major, I know you've been there. Uh, mm-hmm. We've all been there. You don't want to be thinking in the back of your head, like, Oh, I hope I don't have an issue. I hope, you know, this doesn't happen because it happened in practice or it happened at training. So, you know, avoid all that. And just, uh, I, I'm a firm believer. You don't need to tune your guns that much. Right. Yeah. I mean, you fit, you figure out your preferences and then you kind of leave it there. It's pretty much where it needs to be now. Um, I guess I forgot, uh, what dot are you running on your, your Berettas? I run a Seymour on, on all my, uh, on all my guns. Um, I did use a SRO for a little bit. Um, but, uh, I did have some issues with that and I, I switched to a Seymour, um, cause you know, JJ recommended that and I was like, okay. And I've had no issues with them. You know, they just continue to run. Uh, am I gonna use them for my carry pistol? Mm, you know, I guess I could, but you know, they're probably not going to be as durable as like an RMR or you know, even the SRO. Um, but they've worked, I've beat the crap out of mine and they continue to run. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love the RTS too. I have it on my open gun and I think it's, it's a great dot. Now I run an eight MOA. What's your MOA of preference? I, I run a six and you know, I've, <laughs> I've just kind of stuck with that. And I think it's because like, that's what, everyone was you know shooting or set to shoot you know all the top level guys and i was like okay i'll i'll run that so i haven't really experimented with anything else i've never tried an eight moa i think i've tried like a three moa or you know smaller but um i've never gone anything bigger than a six do you like that eight moa yeah for my uh, for my eyes and my astigmatism the eight looks i don't have to have the eight super bright um to get a really crisp dot yet still be super visible but it's not uh-huh. blooming anywhere near either. So it's it's nice for my eyes, but my eyes make like anything. So I can't see like a like a 2 MOA or a 1 MOA dot like on a hollow sun or like a SRO. I can't see them. My eye just doesn't want to pick it up. Oh, really? Or or the fact is it's bloomed and then it's like it's ginormous. So it's yeah. like it defeats the whole purpose. So for my eyes, the bigger the MOA, the better. I was honestly thinking about trying a 10 because Seymour does make a 10 MOA. Um, yeah. And at my club, we shoot a lot of, you know, 25, 30 yard mini poppers. And I don't have any issues yeah. with the dot covering up too much of the popper. So, oh, really? Okay. Everyone says, oh, it's too big. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm looking at that popper. I'm not looking for my dot. It, my dot will yeah. eventually just show up. And that kind yeah, of just, you're doing it right. Yeah. Dot focus, target focus. Like, people got to learn to target focus, even at 25, 30 yards. Yeah, absolutely. I know some people have been. A lot of people have been switching to Ada in the way. Uh, I know uh, David with Humble Marksman, he was talking about shooting an 8 in the way or 
video mm-hmm. or something. I, I think he like, did oh. for a while. When when he what was it? He got some gun with the the C Morney. He liked the eight MOA. Okay. Was it the Beretta? It might have been the Beretta. I'm not for sure now. I have to go harass him later then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let him know I sent you. Yeah. Oh, David and I are homies. We'll talk from not from time to time just to bullshit and it's uh He's a great guy. He's yeah, a great guy. He's got that big dad energy. Everyone loves for it. Yeah. One day I'll be on that one. One day. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's pretty confident with himself in his super short shorts. It is America. I remember what a couple of years ago he went to Area Four with like American Warrior. Uh, just... Yeah, that guy is just he's a he's a personality, and I you know I'm I'm a little envious. He's also you know ginormous too, so he's you know mm-hmm. it's like you know six five or something, and he's he's a pretty pretty big dude. So yeah, so it, it's it's unfortunate because he is six five. He takes one step equals three of my steps so it's very yeah, it's, right like we short people don't get any advantages unless it's a low port yeah, yeah exactly yeah ben uh, ben hart's the same way he's a he's a, a giant too and he like watching his movement his steps just like oh my gosh you're you're like it's three steps and you're across the entire stage it takes me mm-hmm. like you know double that and i'm not i'm not short by any means you know i'm a little over six foot but man every time i'm next to him i'm like you're just a big person. Yep, everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah. It's a prune given factor. Yeah, but he's not a real Texan. Let me just put that out there. He came from California too, so you oh. know, don't, everyone, you know, like, let's not forget. We got we got to throw Ben under the bus for me from California yeah, too. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I guess I I forgot to ask this. Have you been able to go to the Tennessee uh, factory yet? No, not yet. Not yet. I. I'd love to go, you know, check it out. I'd, I mean, that'd be, that would be awesome. Cause I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a lot more, you know, geeky than I probably uh, play off it. Like, you know, that stuff is pretty cool to me. See, you know, how stuff is made or how the guns I'm shooting are built. You know, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated by that stuff. If, you know, I was smarter, I'd, I'd probably love to be an engineer or something. Right. Well, and it's always cool, you know, to go see the real process of how it's, you know, from start to finish, you know, it's definitely um, a cool thing that, I mean, I was very fortunate um, a while ago before, before I got my open gun, I was able to go to Chile Custom Gunworks and, you know, and get a, and get a nice tour of the place. And it was really cool to see how they, they operate and flow and, and make parts. It's really, it's really, really neat to be able to see that kind of stuff, you know, on the shop kind of level. Yeah, I know the Staccato Factory in here in Texas are, are doing that. They allow people to come, come tour the place. So I always thought I thought that's interesting when when companies mm-hmm. do that. It's pretty pretty unique and it's a cool thing to see. Oh, absolutely, that is really cool, uh, Cameron. We do have a couple more questions, and then it'll be time to wrap the show up. But I've got a couple questions for you. Um, who have been in the sport? Who have been some of your biggest mentors or supporters? Not including sponsors. Not including sponsors. Okay. Um, man, there are so many people. So the, the great thing about this sport, I think, and I'm not trying to sound corner or anything, is the, the community. Um, I have yet to find someone that I I dislike. And everyone has always been so supportive and ready to lend help. Um, you know, even, you know, obviously I've had the, t- I've had the, you know, pleasure and I'd say I've been very lucky to be able to uh, talk to people like JJ and um, 
know, I spoke to Max Michelle during Dragon's Cup and, you know, be able to kind of pick their brain and talk to them. But even on the local level, you, when you go to a match, there's been, you know, so many people who are shooting at a high level that uh, can can help you. So um, I'd say in the sport, yeah, it's been it's been JJ uh, Ben Hart, uh, who's you know I'm happy as my teammate now. He has helped me so much with with Beretta parts. Like even before I had uh, you know a contract with Beretta, he was sending me all kinds of parts and helping me out with questions about the gun or if I had any issues, I I call him and he'd you know be there and like i couldn't tell you how many times he, he sent me stuff um and i had no affiliation with with brett i was just a fellow you know shooter so um yeah i'd say i'd say the teammates that i you know now get to shoot with that's pretty awesome yeah and it's see that's cool you know the good-hearted people the you know the sport like ben who are like here have some parts like you you can tinker yeah. now <laughs> you know yeah. they'll give you the shirt off their back um which is yeah the lifeblood of this sport, honestly, because without those people, the sport would honestly not be so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really nice. Like I, I feel like I've been able to build a community that I didn't have, you know, prior to, to shooting the sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This community is so fantastic. I, I mean, I love going to major matches and seeing faces that aren't like necessarily at my local area, but you see them at majors because they all travel enough and you're like, Hey, and you, you know, you talk to them it's always a good time yeah now um i guess we have another question is um currently what has been your biggest like aha moment in training in matches in in whatever what related to shooting what has been your like your biggest aha moment your biggest breakthrough takeaway um so recently it's been the the mindset uh has been has been a big one you know being able to, you know, um, use that to your advantage, I'd say, and 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 not uh, have it be something that's holding you back. That's been like a, a huge, uh, like even the thoughts that you're, you know what you're thinking about prior to the match or during the match, um, you know, that has been that's been a huge thing. I think that for a while I was like, ah, that's you know, that stuff's not important. Visualizing and, um, you know, the mental management stuff like, oh, that's like, whatever. I just need to get better at shooting. Um, but once I started focusing on that, my shooting became better, um, whether it's in practice or at matches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I definitely think a lot of people could take away from that is getting their mental side, their mental game on lock or, established because I see a lot of people throw their match away because they have a bad stage and then they can't rebound from it. Yeah. And it's a shame too, because, you know, I don't know if you've, you've been there, but you know, I, there's so many times I'm shooting with the squad and, you know, somebody has a bad stage and they are just like down in the dumps and they're talking about it. And it's like, it's like, you know, you just want to tell them like, Hey, like, like, just flush it and forget it is, you know, my wife always tells me that and, uh, just move on, like do what you can now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't help you to sulk on it because it's over. You can't get it back. The reshoot yeah. God's not going to come 20 minutes later and say, Hey, you get a reshoot on the stage. Right. You've already, you've already yeah. hit the button and moved on. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. And it won't be the last time that it happens to you. So you need to figure out, you know, how to work through it. Otherwise it's 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 gonna just hurt you. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So now I'm to the question of, you know, we've already talked about Beretta, but this is, you know, we talk we can talk a little bit more about Beretta or any other sponsors or partnerships or companies you like, you know, you can plug them here. Yeah. Um Brian Hunter's HG Gold, obviously, he has been, you know, not just good to me, but to the sport in general. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's he's always there. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know. Sometimes I don't know how he makes money because he, you know, just is always like, you know, sponsoring events and giving out certificates and giving out products and you know whatnot. But uh, you know, Brian has been great. Um, Grizzly Ears, they, they make my ear pro. Uh, they sponsor me and they've been fantastic. Um, Greg with Make Ready Nutrition, um, I don't have any, uh, you know, professional affiliation with them, but uh, he's also been a huge advocate of the sport. And, you know, I see him at, at majors now and he's, he's been great. And, and all these people have been also great to, you know, just everyone. Like even my wife has, you know, become good friends with, Brian and Greg and all of them. So it's been it's been cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's so nice, you know that you know that they give back to the sport. They're they're hosp- you know, they're personable. They're there. They'll chit chat with you. They'll talk yeah. product. They'll talk anything else. And it's yeah. not like they just want their your money. They want to build a relationship with their customer base more than they want your dollars. Yeah, and ironically, that's that's the best way to market when you're you know. Uh, focus on your customer and not necessarily just your product. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're gonna you, you'll you'll go a lot further. Oh well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Cameron, this is the part of the show where you, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they do it? What's the best avenue? I'd say Instagram. Um, I you know I'm probably on Instagram a little more than I, I should be. Uh, you know. You want to reach out if anyone wants to reach out to me for anything, uh, you know, message me on Instagram and I try to I try to uh, respond back to that as quickly as I can. Boom. So what what is your Instagram? <laughs> it's range dot cowboy. There you go, range dot cow. It took me a minute to actually like I had to scroll through my messages because I was like it's range something, but I can't find them. Search yeah. you know normal search. So I was like I had to yeah. find your name in the in our messages, yeah. but I was like, boom. So if yeah. you so, listeners, if you want to get a hold of Cameron, go to range.cowboy on Instagram. Uh, hit him up. Talk to him about Berettas um, and all that cool stuff. But, uh, but Cameron, thank you for coming on, dude. This I've had a blast. I've, we've, we've had fun. I've got to learn some things. Um, it's been it's been, been enjoyable for me. Awesome. Thanks, Manny, for having me. Yep, no problem. And to the listeners, until next time, get out and do the things, and I will see you on the next one.